let's do that. all right we got it so let's take a look got it tell me you see it yes excellent twitter here we go so this is where it all started with this tweet by ufo joe um joe mergio is what his name is if someone mm-hmm. asks me to explain the phenomena i refer to what i've been told privately by a few folks and add what I've learned on my own with books, lectures, interviews, et cetera, and say it's complicated. If I had to bet, I'd say lots of different things are going on. And two, not just one intelligence portraying itself to be multiple in an attempt to deceive us, but I don't know that. Hell, I don't know anything. Assuming multiple, I think some of it's, it is ID or interdimensional, ET, extraterrestrial, and time travelers. But some people have, I guess, the new name for that is, um, uh, how do they say it? Extra temporal is what they call it. They're us, but they're from the future, mm-hmm. et cetera. And some of it may be helpful, some may be neutral, and some may be harmful. Think the matrix. Thanks to some wonderful fellow humans involved with an ID or interdimensional intelligence, not good. That statement, right? Just Let's just piece that together real quick, suggests that there are people within the government or the intelligence community who have been in communication with an interdimensional being or interdimensional beings or other, because we don't know exactly which ones are what or what the what specifically phenomenized, but there is some speculation that they're interdimensional um, beings by several intelligence people um, that they're talking to them, that some people in the government are talking to these interdimensional beings and that their intentions are not good for humanity. Now, continuing that statement, I think deception and misdirection is part of the game. With that, say, with that said, I think, or with that same ID, interdimensional intelligence, and I think other also ID want to wake us up to that deception. So what he thinks is that there are beings that are interdimensional that are in cahoots with some people within the government or intelligence community or both, um, or probably more than that, but that are beneath the government's radar that are in the government, but not following the rules and the documentation that the government requires for activities to be done. So they're not, they're not held accountable for what they're doing because they're not, they're not logging this information and they're not reporting it to the government through, the pro, through proper channels. And that they've right. made deals with the, these interdimensional beings specifically to deceive human beings, the human race, as to what their intentions are and who they really are and what's going on. And the document, and I don't, again, I, I, sometimes I wonder if we're led, you know, we're led by just our intentions and the energy that we put forward to seek out this information elsewhere, to pull information from our experience outside of what we're, we're, we're seeing in front of us. Like, for example, I see this and I think, wow, I agree somewhat with that statement, not fully, but somewhat about it. There being interdimensional beings, about there being a possibility of there being other ones like extraterrestrial and time travelers that are us or extra-temporal, um, and that some of them are good, some of them are not, some of them are neutral, that the interdimensional beings are the ones that are probably not good, some of them, um, and that there's obviously a deception. I, I agree with that for the most part. I don't know about the Matrix being a good example, but I get what he's saying, and, I, and I, again, I, I respect that, that opinion. And that opinion is based off of what he said is people he's talked to and also things he's, he's learned for his, through his studies. Now, the documentary that I was led to just randomly going, I just was like, you know what, let me see if there's a, another documentary on, on uh, Amazon that might be interesting. Pops up 
what pops up in my feed, of course, is nothing less than an awesome freaking documentary. <laughs> oh, tell me I don't have it on. I do. Okay. <clears throat> Just watched it called In Plain Sight. And oh my, I can't block out all that. Let's just search for it. In plain sight. Now this was a movie, not the not the or documentary, not the TV series, but the documentary that just came out. And it was jaw dropping. Now it's not, you know, people like me and you, Michael, we we've we've been looking at this stuff forever, right? For as long as we can we have ever been interested, which for you has been at least over a decade or two. Same for me. It's been over two decades that I've been interested in stuff. And for various reasons. And it doesn't tell us anything necessarily new, but it does clarify some things with some of the expert witnesses from the CIA and the intelligence community, and also some people from MUFON, as well as the controversial controversial uh, Richard Doty, which think what you will. You know, I know that it's difficult to kind of trust someone like him um, because his original, you know, his original intent, well, his, his job with the intelligence community was to disseminate misinformation to the public. And, and he admits that. He does admit that within the um, documentary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, he makes some statements that we're going to go over here. That's right. And I respect it. I just don't, I, I, you have to be cautious with what he says because of what he, who he, who he is and his past mm -hmm. and his history. You know, him actively being involved with this information campaign specifically to deceive the American people and the UFO community, specifically the UFO community, about what the phenomena is and what's really going on. Because they don't want, they didn't want, the government does not want people to really know what's going on. Now, not to get ahead of myself, let's go ahead and let me show you some of the things that I've collected. Um, some of the some of the um, some of the notes that I took from this documentary. Now, a lot of these quotes that I pulled here, they are they're spoken like people speak, so they may not make sense sometimes. I have to kind of clarify some of them, but these are really really important things. Back in 1952, right, the Pentagon, after conducting research through the Project Blue Book made two separate statements. Now, there are more, but these two statements in the documentary specifically, I highlighted because I thought they were extremely important. And the first statement is that by Major General John Stanford. Now, he, he was clearly, and I, look, I misspelled that. And it's, I was typing on the iPad. It's not as, as easy. The keyboard sucks. But what he right. said, his statement in 1952 was that the conclusion of that of that investigation was that it, the UFO phenomena, does not contain any pattern of purpose or of consistency that we can relate to any conceivable threat to the United States. We can say the recent sightings are in no way connected with any secret development by any department of the United States. He is saying unequivocally that that, that investigation concluded that the government's not involved and it's not a threat. Whatever it is, it's not a threat. Well, let's just take a moment to think about that statement. What does that even mean? It means we don't know what this is, but it doesn't concern us because it's not a threat to, US, to the United States government, and we're not involved with the, the technology at all. Okay, that is, a, that is a somewhat true statement because 
as far as they know, the phenomenon doesn't pose a threat to them in any, any you know, visceral way. Any way that, that says that the United States government has to take action on this phenomenon because it can cause damage this way, that way, whatever. However, throughout this documentary, there are a few things that are said, and there are things outside of this documentary that are said by intelligence um, officers who say that the government has been interested in this phenomenon. And the reason why they think about it being a threat is because, which we'll see later on in, in, in this, in this um, these notes that I took here, that they were observing this these, this phenomenon through the eyes of Russian technology. We'll get, we'll get to that. The second statement that I highlighted was from Major Donald Kehoe. Now he has a completely contradictory statement. Same conference, completely contradictory statement. Speaking for the Pentagon, with all due respect to the Air Force, I believe that some of them will prove to be of interplanetary origin. During a three-year investigation, I found that many pilots have described objects of substance, meaning they're physical objects, not just energy balls or lightning or anything like that, objects of substance at high speeds. One case, pilots reported their plane was buffeted by an object which passed them at 500 miles per hour. Obviously, this was a solid object, and I believe it was from outer space. Same people, the Pentagon, two different opposing statements, conclusions about the phenomena. Now, th that's a, that's big, right? Because yeah. we're talking 70 years ago, almost exactly 70 years ago, the government not only invested, investigated UFOs or UAPs now, but they knew that they were objects of substance because pilots were reporting them then and that they knew that these objects were performing in ways that were not, they were not ours, that they were not, and they were not Russians either, because Russia was a big concern back then, right? They weren't Russian and they weren't ours. And again, they go over later on in this documentary that the Russians were investigating the phenomenon because they were in these, these orbs and these objects that, that were of substance were being tracked by the radar and that they were invading their airspace, Russian airspace. They weren't invading U.S. airspace. At least we couldn't. We never did. We never investigated that because this part of the the people that were investigating the Russians and the radar technology, they were focused on what was happening in Russia, not the U.S. Right? They were focused on observing Russian technology for the sake of national defense, and they found right. out the Russians did not know what this was, and that's where we go into John Ramirez. He's a retired CIA officer, and he's got a big history within the, within the CIA community. He, he's, done, he's worked with the intelligence community as a lot of things. So he started his career in the CIA in the director, Directorate of Science and Technology in the signal intelligence field with the specific uh, specialty of electronic intelligence. He later transferred to the Directory of Intelligence as a weapons intelligence analyst of Russian ballistic missile defense systems and radars. That's important because, again, the documentary is, is so good. At, I mean, the delivery is really great, but it mentions how the Russians were seeing these objects in their airspace and that they, you know, they, they didn't know what they were and they were, they were concerned. They didn't know who they were from, what they were doing, but they were doing things that they were performing in ways that were beyond what they had technologically back in 1952. Now, not in 1952, because this was way, way after that, but, but, um, during John Ramirez's, I'm sorry, John, um, yeah, Ramirez's time 
as an intelligence officer. So yeah, he it wasn't was briefed us. on it. He yeah. was. He was briefed on it. And that's that's what's so his job was looking at the targets that Russians were interested in um, and thought and through that through that avenue, he said, I was able to understand the workings of the Russian radars designed to look for ballistic missiles, uh, missile launches and satellites. OK, and he does a great job at talking about, OK, how do you because people will say the bunkers, say, oh, well, how do you know it wasn't a satellite or wasn't a meteor, whatever, whatever, because they knew because they would they would track these objects. And once they found out that it was a satellite or otherwise, they would tag it, especially if it's a satellite. This is not something that to be interested. They were not interested if it was a satellite. They weren't interested in it as much because of what was going on. So there was a time when Russians were interested in targets that were not ballistic missiles and not satellites. They eliminated these two targets and there was no surprise attacks because so basically what he was saying at this point was that, look, they were the Russians weren't concerned uh, th thinking that ballistic missiles or satellites were were a threat. I'm sorry, were, were what these objects were and that these objects because they didn't pose any imminent threat, meaning any attacks at all, they couldn't have been missiles, um, and they probably weren't satellites either. So they eliminated those two off of, of what they were looking for. However, because they detected objects that were unusual, they went into high, a high state of readiness. Their strategic rocket forces went into a state of readiness, which we then detected, excuse me, sorry, um, which we then detected, where was I, um, and was a concern to us, the U.S. It appeared that there were objects of interest to the Russians that warranted a high state of readiness on their part. Later, I learned that what they detected were these orbs or objects that were flying over Russian airspace from the Arctic Circle. <laughs> Dude, they, the, the Pentagon, the U.S. government has known about these objects not just from us, but but also in Russia, coming in out of the like the the water, coming out of the ocean, for over. There's a rich. There's a rich history of the U.S. government being involved and in observing these things since early '40s, late late into the '40s, uh, and a history that abounds with numerous examples of objects they just cannot identify. No, and obviously are seen doing things that cannot be easily described or understood. Right, we don't, we didn't have the technology back then. We didn't. I mean, again, later on, they talk about the technology that was used back in the fifties and some of the some of the speeds that these objects were performing, and not not like just ores, but the objects of substance, as they were stated, they were performing. We didn't even have aircraft that could fly as high as they were and as fast as they were at the time. Not none of us, not not us or Russia or China. No one had that technology, and you better believe right. that if if Russia had that technology seventy years ago, what would they be doing to Ukraine right now? I mean, they're threatening the ultimate destruction of the entire human race right now. We'll 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 bomb. They're they're saying that we will they will bomb targets with nuclear weapons with ballistic nuclear weapons. Okay, they're willing to start World War III and potentially a nuclear mutual destruction of the entire human race. But some people think that the Russians were performing in ways that, like, come on, come on, man. It, it, what a ridiculous rebuttal to the idea that the Russians were, that they're not Russian or they're not China. If any of our adversaries had this technology, if anybody did, we would be dust right now. 
at the very least Absolutely. we'd be we would not be the we would not be you know on top of our our military superiority would have been we would have never had it we would have never had dominance militarily so that's that's that that's that right and and you're right the the history is rich they go mm-hmm. on this he goes on <clears throat> excuse me he goes on to say i don't know how to pronounce this dude's name <laughs> all right Later, I learned that what they detected were these orbs objects were, that were flying over Russian airspace from the Arctic Circle. General, I can't pronounce his name, Alisev, Alisev, wrote that the Russian leadership wanted to attract these objects using radars, and they found a way to do so. They do not expand on that information. He does not expand. Now, this is, again, this is talked to by John Ramirez. He doesn't say what they did with that with that ability well i know a little bit about that i would i would we would love to add that to this because i i don't know i don't know what they did i mean we'll have to follow up on that because i don't know i i have no idea he doesn't say brief synopsis of it was uh when george knapp came back from russia with all the intel that he had collected right uh he was told and was also given the information to the u.s government that's the only reason why he was allowed to do so uh, was that the HARP uh, program that we were using and the Russians were using, again, decades before, um, was causing almost an interference in radar systems that they were using, almost like a jamming effect. But it was causing some disturbance that was also uh, a complication for flight of these craft, or even to the point where it would cause appearances of craft, like they would observe um, and if you know anything about HARP, the high altitude radio um, uh, changing of the atmosphere just by using radio waves, it actually, yeah, yeah it, it's it's mind blowing technology. Um, but the Russians have been doing it since the early '30s with what's called a chirp radio. Still is around. It's a huge array, hundreds of uh, feet long, uh, several stories tall. Looks like a AM uh, band. Uh, a receiver that just sends out a, t- a ping and it's called the Russian ping. You can find it on any radio uh, frequency. Any radio will pick it up. It'll be like a pop, 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 pop. Um, and the concept was uh, given by Mirez as that the technology for studying and observing uh, was not there at the time and until the Russians told them about it. And apparently they had worked in cahoots with some type of uh, information before the fall of the, the wall, uh, which is mind-boggling still. But like we said before about the government having their hands uh, into a lot of things that they don't talk about is obvious. Um, but again, the same thing with radar and water. Uh, the huge uh, solar or sonar uh, pings have been known to push mammals away, um, dolphins, large herds of or schools of fish. But have also um, been able to uh, almost call in UFOs where they have some object that's completely seen um, by a sonar means as being able to travel in water that we have nothing that can travel like that. Right. I mean, they're traveling interdimensional uh, craft, right? Through water, through air, through rock. It's crazy. But it's what we see. Yeah, they're. 
Ramirez has a wealth of knowledge that he's holding on to that he still is held by NDAs. And what he's told is still mind-blowing. And you should believe every word this man says. He is legit in everything. He is high up, well in the know, well informed. And much like Bob Lazar was like, the people need to know this information. Maybe well, not yeah, all think of about, it. Think about this. Think about this, bringing up Bob Lazar, you know, like the, the legend himself, right? People have have only questioned the, the biggest controversy about Bob Lazar is his educational background. People are constantly pointing to the fact they can't find it, right? I don't think that that's a very good point because if, at that time, the government was threatening to kill people for all kinds of stuff. If you talk about this, we'll kill you and your family. They've been, they were mafia back then to the umpth degree. And we know that because there are many other, not, not just UFO phenomena, but there are other you know, things that were conducted against the American people that people were warned against talking about to, or they would be killed. Um, so it's not, it's not like th this idea that the government would, could, could go ahead and literally just delete someone's history. Why, why not? I mean, it's ridiculous yeah. that people would believe, would believe that that's not something the government would have done when they've done atrocious things, atrocious things. Let's not get, I don't want to get too into that to, to all the bad things the government's done because I don't want to, paint the government as an evil entity but you know it's run by a man and at one point some men didn't like other men that didn't look like them and the government was in was in cahoots with the cops and the, and, uh, and the, with the police to systematically murder black activists during the martin luther king you know revolution of the the civil civil revolution civil rights revolution they were actively trying to murder with the government, some of these people. So it's not like they haven't done stuff like this 30, 40, 50 years ago, let alone 70 for something even bigger than bringing people together because of race, because of race right? So it's, it, again, that's a ridiculous claim, um, criticism against Bob Lazar, but give, it, give him that. This guy, John Ramirez, his records are, are there. He, he mm. is a decorated CIA officer. He is not someone who is any controversy with his credentials or his experience within the military or the CIA. I'm sorry. So that's it. You're right. This is we're we talk about a an impeccable resource here, impeccable source. He's an impeccable source. I mean, this, you you got it right here. All right. So and and he talks about stuff. You talk about believing him. Let's go ahead and see what he's. Let's talk about what he says here. So he says, and this is really crazy. Um, <clears throat> I didn't finish it. You see his collect comments made at 47 minutes in. But he says something really interesting. If it was just a craft, referring to Roswell, 19, Roswell, Mexico, 1947 incident, the Roswell crash, where two, two objects, two UFOs crashed, they recovered bodies, I believe four of them, but, but one of them was alive. And five of them, one of them was alive. Four of them died. And the one that survived, they called EBE. He survived for a few years, um, which I have the dates here later on. Um, I will admit they're from Richard Doughty. I don't believe it or not, but he says that, the, that he says the same things that other people who have come in and talked about um, Roswell have said, not just him, but other people have said this, um, that were witness to the, the, the Roswell incident or the granddaughter of, um, of uh, Jesse, um, uh, what's his name? Morse, uh, what? Or... I can't remember his last name, 
Jesse Jesse Marcel Jesse Marcel. Marcel you know he yeah. said his his granddaughter I believe it was was like yeah he, he's been and he did talk about this Jesse Marcel did talk about this but his granddaughter has continued talking about what her grandfather has said about the incident and that there one of them survived again this is big if it was just a craft I think the government would readily disclose that and yes and if they, this is continuing that statement if it was yes if there were outer space beings on the craft, I think the government would disclose that eventually too, right? But the fact that these beings had DNA that was found in the human genome, I think mm. that is the actual secret of Roswell. I think that, that yeah, is- Yeah, that ties me into Bob Lazar. You know, he was uh, debriefed and told that basically there was 67 different types of genetic alter- altercations to our genome. Um, and the story that Mr. Doty and uh, Bob Lazar say are repeated. Um, and you can say what you want to say about Mr. Doty or even Mr. Ramirez or even Bob Lazar, but the, the facts are there. They're there. So all you have to do is, yeah, they're there. Yeah. Uh, you can question Bob Lazar's education and some, some well known ufologists have in the past. But the overwhelming number of evidence outside of that is undeniable. Uh, well, let's say let's I, say that he's let's say that he said, and I apologize for not but let's just say because on to that point, he said four hundred and sixty-seven different things about aliens, right, and the government, and they're all and four hundred and sixty-six of them were wrong. But one of them that you could that the only way you could guess would be if you had real inside knowledge was true, then. We would have to take like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we need to rethink about what he said and think about at least this one statement that turns out to be true 50 years later, for or 20 or 30 years later. For instance, element 115. What exactly. or not just that, but also the design of some of these craft. He gave an a, a description of the physics, the mechanisms behind how the craft work. And guess what? When you look at them today, and scientists are re- releasing reports, even from the Pentagon, they're describing the exact same mechanisms. Bob Lazar has been talking about this stuff for decades. I mean, wh- what, do you, what do you need to believe that this man is telling the truth about, at least some of it? I don't, I don't know what people are like, want. I, don't, I, I, I think it's simple. I, there was a comment that was made that I, that I really like locked onto because I think about Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I'm very disappointed in his assessment of this phenomenon. And he says, you know, people will say, if you just had, a, if I would believe it, if there was a live body, I would believe it if there was a craft that I could touch, just one. And if there was just one of those, I would believe it. Well, let's think about that for a second. First of all, specifically, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he is an astronomer, right? He studies the stars and he studies constellations and he studies phenomena within this in space. And he makes up theories that some of those theories we use to determine how, for example, astronauts fly, you know, uh, a pilot and, and calculate their trajectory in their, in their destinations and all that stuff using theory, mathematical theory that we have about certain planets, uh, theories that we don't actually know but we theorize and we have enough data that we can, we can act on that data with technology. There is a plethora of data looking at the UFO phenomena, the UAP phenomena, without 
without ever seeing a craft yourself. And not just that, there are witnesses, expert witnesses that have been talking about the phenomena and ETs and interdimensional beings. And there's thousands of, of, of just data points to just look at. It's overwhelming. The reality is that people who say that if they just had this one thing, if, if I just had Bob Lazar's you know, college records, if I just had the document that said the U.S. government violated his civil rights and, 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 and went to his, medical, his, his educational records and deleted them, then I'll believe it. Oh, come, come on, man. No, you wouldn't. Nothing, that any, nothing about this phenomena, if anybody wants to know, do what we're doing. Look at it. Talk about it investigate it like right, they do the stars your homework look into it all the evidence is there the story is legit it's you there can see how he's been manipulated by the government and lost his social security card you know it was brought up in a court of law where the, the judge was basically told by the government that it was none of his business well how george knapp uh, was george knapp and jeremy Corbell talked about incidents where the government was messing with bob lazar right yeah so it's, uh, it's again it's occasions. yeah, yeah. So come and on. them and their crew and right. their entire okay. yeah. So why ignore? Why are people that that claim? I I think the debunkers are like the conspiracy theorists at this point. <laughs> like to be to be honest, the conspiracy theorists are the debunkers. Right, and there aren't many clear. skeptics yeah. out there. We're skeptics, right? We we're skeptical. I'm not as skeptical as like someone like George Knapp, right? But. I am, I mean, a skeptic is somebody who looks at things skeptically. I don't know. Let's look at the data and determine the facts. Let's not make conclusions without the facts and looking at the data. A debunker will literally look for reasons why the thing cannot be true. That's their job. That's what they do. So all these people that are like, they're finding holes and everything. They're not skeptics. They're debunkers. They don't want the truth. They want to maintain what they believe is reality. And that's, the, that's just the way, it, that's just the truth, it's a fact. But continuing the statement that he made, this is, this is good. I think that is core secret. Now, keep in mind, why did the core secret I, I put in bold because that was talked about in the Wilson documents, the memo, right? Mm -hmm. Which we're not gonna talk about. But the, uh, I think that this is core secret of why the government will not talk about Roswell. All humans are in fact, alien dna enhanced but others were more enhanced than most humans and that these more enhanced humans were of particular of particular interest to cia dude yeah. he talks about Ooh. a conference he talks yeah. about a conference he went to where they discussed the roswell and uap phenomena and all that and he said he said they can you know their ultimate conclusion was that these beings there are beings first of all that are piling these craft and that they're that they're there's some of them are from the future dude come this is and this this meeting by the way was conducted from a department within an official department within the cia what what i don't know what else people need to at least be really curious about who's saying these things and what's being said by these people it's a big deal it is uh, i feel like it absurd for all these people to be ignored especially in the statures that they come from and the things that they are saying it's so obvious once you get your hand or your head around the whole idea of things i mean yeah like oops went too far 
it's it is beyond obvious right like it's the 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 information the data is there the bottom line is the data is there now there's something else that they talk about right there's some specifics they talk about um and i wanted to pull up that specific just so we can kind of because i know you're you're short on time here um here's a statement that was talked about by aaron minto who is the founder of Bucks County Paranormal Investigation and the Eric Mintel Investigates. Well, Eric's, Eric Mintel Investigates, which I guess is just an organization or something like that, um, where he investigates paranormal phenomena, including UFOs or UAPs, and, and the experience or phenomena. He says that, you know, he mentions a, a scenario where, here is last one, it's been speculated that one of the reasons for the cover-up was that the beings contained DNA of some sort that showed human traits, homo sapien traits. This Navy commander, whose name was George Hoover, he was a Warner Von Braun, I don't know how to spell a dude's name, a Warner Von Braun, um, and, and again, he, his, this is literal, literal like document. I, I didn't translate what he was trying to say, so I'm going to translate it here. That, that person, George Hoover, was one of the people involved with Warner Von Braun's investigation on UFOs in Roswell. And he says, well, you know, Roswell was a crash of a ship from somewhere else. He, George Hoover says, no, 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 it was not extraterrestrial. It was extratemporal time travel. That Roswell, I mean, again, these are statements that are, they are said in fact. However, for me to, be, I, I would, I could believe that this is a possibility. But for me to definitively believe it, I would need more direct information. So right now, all we have is, is the word of someone who I believe is credible, but at the same time, with information that I can't, I can't verify firsthand. So we're getting this second, third, who knows, fourth hand or whatever. But, but the fact that George Hoover, who was involved with working with Werner von Braun, who we know who Werner von Braun is, if they call him, you know, He's, his history is, is very well known within the UFO community as it relates to UFOs and, and aliens, extraterrestrials or whatever. They, they think it's extratemporal. They thought at that time that at least a part of the phenomena is time travel. Time travel is from the future. And when Bob Lazar describes the technology, what's he mentioning? He's mentioning them bending space-time. And instead of traveling through our time now and like, you know, and taking this amount of time, this many miles per hour, it's just bending space-time and falling through space-time. It's pulling or being pulled through space-time itself. It's why it can like move abruptly because it's not actually within the craft. It, it's not actually moving anything within the craft. It's just, it's literally traveling through space-time, the dimension of space-time. But to us, it appears as if it's, if it's jerking back and forth and like just making abrupt turns at, you know, thousands of miles per hour which is impossible to do and so on and so forth i mean look man this is right. this is crazy if you look if you look at the tic-tac video where um fravor was saying that it looked like a ping pong ball in a cup right right and he might have been visualizing it actually going through you know space-time type of mirroring effect well let's who was it um I'm going to pull this off the screen right now, these notes off the screen, because I just wanted to kind of show those, highlight those there. <clears throat> moment. Uh, 
I don't know why my video cut out the entire time, but you know, that it, the documentary talks a lot about, you know, the, the phenomena, it focuses heavily on the phenomena being at least multiple, multiple different things. But the main one they focus on when it comes to us is the fact that these, some of these beings are inter or they're, they're time travelers. But there was another incident. I, let me actually, you know what? I should have kept it up there. There was an incident at a military base that I thought was extremely notable. Um, let me see. It was the UFO landing at Holloway Air Force Base. And yeah. he said, you, you know about that one? Yeah. I just, listen, I'm new to this still. I just learned about it. So, you know, I'm like, what is this crazy? He said that these UFO, these, this UFO landed at Holloway Air Force Base and soldiers on that base walked out and saw this, what saw it land and beings came out. And check this out. These beings weren't grays. They weren't little people with big eyes and a big head and, and you know, skinny bodies. They looked like, they looked kind of human with eyes that were Egyptian, like Egyptians, like they had drawn their hieroglyphs, really long ones, bigger than humans, but not, they were not human clearly. And they were slits like cat eyes. And they had the appearance of like an Egyptian God, how the Egyptian or Pharaoh, how they had like the, those things on their head, like, like I don't know how they could drapes over their body and stuff like that, or the upper part of their body. They were dressed like that and they were almost human. And that they were from another dimension. I believe that's what he said. They were from another dimension or something like that. And that they were, they were giving us technology too. Those beings were in communication with us. They were talking to us. Dude, the implication. Well, I believe that UFO Joe is right on the same pages that we're talking about. You know, his comment about the Matrix. I believe it's simply that the world is stranger than we can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Parallel universes and parallel time uh, fabrics, that's mind-blowing. And the, the thoughts of infinity and in our universe should humble us beyond all belief. But for some reason, we always think naively that, we can, that we've got it figured out and right. you know, that, that's that. But again and again, we see that we do not know anything. You know, it's, it's crazy because at one point I thought, um, oh, there's aliens out there. That's cool. Right. My mind never went to like dimensional beings or anything like that. Then another point I thought, okay, maybe they're fallen angels, right? Maybe they're angels and demons kind of thing. Right. Um, and that there are, there, there's deception involved and all this other stuff. Well, that was an that's that's an aspect that's been talked about by people within the government, people that are involved with studying, investigating the phenomena. Some people, as Luis Lozano said, believe that these beings, some of them, not all of them, some of them are interdimensional, but on the on the spectrum of what what um, Ross, I'm sorry, what um, Gary Nolan says is angels, demons, and God. Dude, something else that was mentioned in the in the documentary, and again, this is. We've been told, I remember vaguely, I don't know if it was a documentary or I saw a video on YouTube or something like that years and years ago, somebody saying the ET beings that we're in contact with are not honest with us, that they are giving us all this spiritual information 
that is about their religion, about what they believe, that they do believe in a God of some kind, but not necessarily what we believe. They don't mention the God specifically that we talk about in like the Christian Bibles and stuff like that, but they mention a God, a one God, just one, that they call a supreme being. They refer to it as a supreme being. And they're giving, they were giving the military, they were communicating to the military spiritual concepts. And they were being very deceptive. And that's why some people within the, that's speculated as to why some people in the government who know about these, this, this interaction with these beings, some of them, they might be related to demons or fallen angels, for example. Because in the Bible, the Bible in Genesis talks about fall, you know, sons of God seeing the daughters of man, that they were beautiful. And they took to them as they will, paraphrasing here, they had, they had children to them. And they were children of renown. They were like the giants, men of, men of renown. Um, and it wasn't a good thing, not according to, to, to God, right? So now, what is it? What year is it? 2022, right? A couple thousand years later, we've been talking about recently in, the, in our time frame here, the idea that beings are coming here from somewhere else, talking to some of them, interdimensional type, whatever, and they're talking about a God, but they're giving us spiritual information that's not consistent with what we all know. Another, another thing that is not mentioned in the documentary, but I recently was learning about the Catholic Church. Ha, they've been coming out and, and, and kind of introducing the idea that if there are aliens, they, they don't say interdimensional, they say aliens. The Vatican says they're just our space brothers. I don't want to get into Catholicism and... Um, how I feel about Catholicism, but have you ever looked at the Vatican before? Some of the symbology there? It's questionable. I don't, if they are aware and they have a library, they, they have, they have an observatory. Why is it, why do they have an, we're not going to get into that, but that's, that's interesting, right? They have an observatory where they're observing space and they have a space department and all that stuff. And all of a sudden they're introducing the idea that there might be aliens that are, we, we need to consider them our space brothers and welcome them. Right. And Again, it's an interesting element to this. There's so much to this phenomenon. Like, it, you can't go into this thinking that, oh, they're aliens. Oh, wait, now they're in time travelers. Oh, they're interdimensional. Oh, there's so much stuff going on. Once you throw those doors open, it's a floodgate. It really is. Yeah. It all comes, comes down to how much you want to know. You know, it's yeah. really what it boils down to. Uh, people like George Knapp and Mr. Ramirez, uh, the uh, Colonel Corso, right? Some of these people that are in the know and have had full disclosure from the U.S. government, they're still like they don't know everything. So I mean, yes, but what they do know, some of them are afraid to tell. Right. I I wholeheartedly believe that they are holding on to information that they cannot release. Well, um, why did the but, government say they're going to investigate from 2014 on? Right. Uh, again, yeah, I think it's all deception. I believe that it's all control. Unfortunately, I, I think that the powers that be have had this information in other countries as well. Yep, other countries and have. They are hoarding it for uh, national security as well as uh, all types of reasons. There's once, like, like we said before, once you wrap your head around it, it makes sense the way that it's been handled so secretively and, and then trying to be debunked. Um, 
But we live in an, a time now, unlike any other, where it is completely the forefront of a breakthrough in disclosure that has been brought about for the last probably 10, 15 years of hard work from people like well, Dr. Stephen Greer and yeah, others. Oh, but speaking of Greer, I apologize. I forgot to mention Stephen Greer even says, you know, I, I used to, I, I will, t- we have to say that for another time. Cause I told you, we, I, we remember I watched that interview with him on theory of everything and they asked him about, you know, did he think this, this phenomenon is all roses and candy? Not exactly words, but he said, all good. And he says, oh, I, abs- I don't think so. I don't know his exact words, but he says that he thinks that the interdimensional beings are this, they, they are not good. They have bad intentions for humanity. And that they, they that th- this idea that they, you know, if they were bad entities, they would have destroyed us thousands of years ago. Well, think about that for a second. That's like saying if there were spaceships out there, they'd be shooting rocket fuel out of the back of their engine. They can't be spaceships, right? Who's to say what their needs are versus ours? Who's to say what they consider domination versus what we consider domination? What if their idea of domination is just controlling the general population into believing all kinds of crazy stuff so they're always in a state of panic so they can feed off of our negative energy, which has been stated by some people, right? In the know that some of these beings feed off of negative energy from humans. And the idea that they have bad intentions is to maintain this feeling of like uneasiness and unfulfillment and disease in us. So we're constantly in that state so they can feed off of that energy. Some of them. Now that changed my, uh, that because Greer keeps saying, you know, he makes these definitive statements. I don't like anybody who makes definitive statements about a phenomenon this big. I don't, I shouldn't say I don't like them. I don't trust the idea that anybody makes definitive statements about the phenomena without something more like, for example, Dolly, right? She has had direct experience with the phenomena. She's, she's had communication and experience and direct contact. Greer doesn't talk about, and I'm not, I don't want to compare the two. It's not fair to say, but Greer doesn't say, oh, I've had direct contact with Nietzsche and this is, and this is our conversation. Dolly has loads of documentation because of Preston of all this interaction with the phenomena and all the information and all that, like, it's not just, well, I believe it because I was in my backyard and I saw a light of an orb. So you concluded from that, what that experience that that's not enough. She has a lot of direct contact and direct information. Now, Greer does have a lot of information from the government about how we've investigated the phenomena and what we think it is, but we don't even know what it is. So again, and again, no disrespect, I actually have changed my opinion about Stephen Greer because of that statement about the interdimensional beings. But <clears throat> um, but I think that the idea that the aliens are all good, I, I can't accept that. I cannot accept that. I think that there is an aspect of whatever the phenomena is that is does have our, our best interests in mind. I don't think all of any one of them does though. You know what I mean? Like if it's, if it's time travelers, do I think all the time travelers are just like, hey, let's push humanity to a better place because it sucks here? No, I don't think that. If it's aliens, I don't think that all of the extraterrestrial beings are like, hey, we want to help push humanity forward to a better way. I don't think that. If it's interdimensional beings, it's the exact, it's kind of the contrary, right? It's a, do they want to kill us all and eat our brains? Mm, I don't think all of it is like that, right? Maybe some of it is. I don't know because I don't know. And no one, no one knows. Right. It's like saying, 
I know that humanity is um, full of good people. You know, I was in Brazil once and everybody was nice to me. First of all, you ain't never, if you've been to Brazil and you think that everybody's nice, what part of Brazil do you go to? Yeah, like Brazil, is, there's some pretty scary places in Brazil, right? Or if you're in Haiti and you're like, wow, you know, I was in this one village in Haiti and I met 300 people in that village. That's 300 people. Nobody's ever been there, right? Huh. And all 300 people were great to me. Well, I mean, Haiti is a pretty, it's, <laughs> relative to 300 people, there's a lot more people that live in Haiti. And there are some people who will cut your head off just, just for the sake of just doing it. It's because it's Haiti. They're poor. They're desperately poor. They're impoverished or third world places. So like they, they're not living in great conditions. And so that one experience, your, your limited experience cannot determine the outcome of an entire group of people. We do the same thing to people we don't like on this, on this planet. How can we possibly do it to beings that are far more advanced and potentially greater in number than we are, littered throughout the universe and in other dimensions? How can we say that? How can any one person say that? Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think that uh, we are a reflection of our humanity that just seems like to be, I don't know, cyclic, and we keep going through the same paces. Right. I really would think that, you know, a, a lesson in history would open up people's minds to how terrible we to each other yeah and at some point you know the the message from et is that you know love is the religion uh you know that we are all one well um, and i sorry go ahead no sorry about that i i was thinking about somebody who believes that concept you know the concept mm -hmm. of you know being good to each other the golden rule but then they, you know, there are, there are actors in our civilization that seemingly want to keep, their, keep the divisions between people, you know, using these irrelevant details about someone like skin color, for example, or nationality. Um, I think it's so weird that like we live, on, we live on this planet with 8 billion people at this point. And our concern is what color someone's skin is or, you know, like, uh, just all there's there's a thousand there's a thousand different things about us that we can say oh this makes someone different and bad but the bottom line is those are characteristics that not only cannot not can no one change they don't determine a person's character like your physical appearance and your they don't determine your character neither does your nationality if you were born in russia you're not a bad human you learn certain things that make you have be have a negative impact on other humans same thing with us because you're a United States citizen doesn't mean you're all about freedom, right? Some people believe in restricting that freedom or only for some. And that's what, we're, that's what this planet is worried about. We're worried about little stupid things. You know, like... The division, right? Yeah. We, we have this idea in, in America where we can't afford to... This is insane to me. We can't afford to feed the poor and hungry. We can't afford it. But if we got to blow someone up, write that down. Let's, let's do it. How much money do you need? And usually the people that are pushing for that kind of, that focus, they're people of a religion, Christianity, namely, who believe in, in love and the golden rule. Like, 
how did how is that we are a very interesting species <laughs> as a whole yeah. as a whole like well I, I don't even know man I don't know. The ability for our, um, oh gosh, nepo- it's almost like hubris. Hubris. Hubris, sure, yeah. Uh, it blows my mind just looking at our past. And I wholeheartedly hope that our future will be much better than it, the past. But I, I really doubt it. I really doubt it. Yeah, I think I agree with, I, I like, again, I'm, I'm biased here, right? Because I like Dolly, but. I think it's going to get much worse before it gets much better, if it does get better at all. And she's not the only one who I've heard say that. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody, right. everybody who's involved with the phenomena, um, cautiously, at least, they have some concerns about, you know, about the future. For, Near for future, humanity, yeah. For humanity. And, and if we don't, I mean, look at that new, that, that documentary about the, uh, the incident in, was it Zimbabwe? Yes. Right. The school this, Zimbabwe. where they gave the, the aliens landed and gave the message of you're destroying your planet. You know, you guys got to change so on and so forth. And that's a. That was a late story. 60s. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, wholeheartedly. Again, you can believe every single one of those children and, and know that they saw and experienced some type of mind communication. You know, they were told in their head right. what the message was, as well as observing a craft and beings, and not only that, but the school teachers and the principal, and then the, the, the government come, coming out and telling them, don't talk about it, just forget about it, you know, nothing happened, after they investigated it. And th- again, that's something that just pops up repeatedly, you know, uh, something is brought to the attention of the U.S. government. Or in earlier times, the U.S. Air Force, then they would come out and be taking serious information about the uh, observance, and then they would just shelve it. And then, <laughs> well, several the times, stories. several times throughout that documentary, they mentioned incidents where the government will, will you know, will observe some people. And this is, again, you've heard this. If you know anything about the UFO, the history of of, of the government UFOs you know that elements of the government like the Pentagon, the intelligence community, the Air Force, the Air Force originally, right? Um, Roswell, Mexico, they have been telling people to shut up or die, literally. <laughs> In the documentary, they mentioned that, that th- th- there was an investigation done by, oh my goodness, let's see if I can find this before real quick. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Yeah, all these are NDAs. For non-disclosure yep, so, with the threat of treason. Here's a threat of treason, or this is what was mentioned yeah. at Roswell, right? So Roswell, New Mexico, July 8th, 1947. The government, after claiming they recovered a flying saucer, subsequently suppressed the story and said it was a weather balloon. We all know that. Within 24 hours, they said there's a we got a we got a alien space, we have a we have a flying saucer specifically. And the next day. Not 24 hours of the documentary says not even 24 hours, right? Oh, it was a weather balloon. Well, how big of a difference is a weather balloon? You have to question the perception of the people who thought it was a flying saucer. 
Because if you wow. thought it was a flying saucer when you first seen it, and then you look, and then it takes you a whole day to say it's a balloon, balloons are not shaped like discs. What are you talking? About? What? Why would you believe? Who? Would, now here's what comes afterwards, right? After that state, after the government admits to the, the military says we found a flying saucer. Oh no, it's a weather balloon. Here's what they say. Here's what he said. They said. Um, I believe this was Eric Mintel who said this in the documentary. I don't remember, but um, they threatened the um, the airmen that were involved with the, with the craft retrieval and the in the debris retrieval. They threatened them, saying, "Okay, fellas, you want to know more about what happened? If you want to read more about it, you can read more about it in Leavenworth Prison." And in the in the paper, the rancher who discovered it said that discovered the disc right and told the military said he is sorry he ever told about it paper specifically says he was sorry he told about it that was a headline in the paper the rancher said that and and this is what said afterwards they de facto did take over the town this is what the cia um uh um let me see here john ramirez said about roswell john ramirez says this he says they de facto took over the town and they started threatening the witnesses. I'm sorry, not John Maris, Eric Mintel. Um, they de facto uh, took, over the, took over the town and they started threatening the witnesses, civilian witnesses that knew what happened, had been to the site and had seen the crash and especially seen the little bodies. They threatened the civilian population and there were a lot of them with death. They, the military said, if you talk about this, we're not only going to kill you, we're going to kill your whole family. And so the cover-up begins, right? People were afraid of not only themselves being killed for talking about a disc and little bodies. Hey, there's aliens. They were afraid because they, their families might be killed. Come on. We, all things are possible from this point forward with respect to government cover-ups. Because we know that the government is willing to kill, was willing to kill someone to keep this information from getting out. And we know that today, they are still adamant about keeping the, keeping the information from us about Roswell, at least, about the idea that there's aliens, about the history of our contact with these beings in their, in their craft, because now they're only investigating from 2014 and NASA falls behind. And guess what they say? We're gonna investigate too, but we're only gonna investigate unclassified information. Right. Well, thanks, guys. You know, if you were my this, I I posted on Twitter. It's like it's like you have a girlfriend, right? And she's been cheating on you for like thirty years. And one day she says, "You know what, honey? I'm done cheating. From this day forward, I'm gonna start taking a good look at myself and why I'm doing these things. And we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna discuss it and openly and honestly, starting from last week. What about the thirty years that you were cheating? What about?" And I'm only going to talk about things that happen at this cafe on, you know, uh, Market Boulevard. Honey, we're never going to work. I, you can never trust her, right? The government is like that girl. She's like our girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever who's, who's been cheating on us for 30 years, 70 in this case. But it's like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to look at myself starting last week. Well, thanks, honey. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I really do. Not a lot's happened since then. So thanks for going all the way back to last week and being honest about it. It's, it's ridiculous. And I'm not going to look at all of it. I'm only going to take a look at the things that I do at this specific location. 
Come on, man. Yeah, their argument is that they're gonna look into non-classified things so they can release it to the population. But in fact, it's just another type of deception and cover-up. It's. I think I'm starting to believe, and I hate. I hate to say this, man. I'm starting to believe that even if they do tell us some stuff, it's all part of controlling the information itself. Yes. It's all part of like not having to be fully honest and creating reasons why they don't have to be fully if you're a skeptic your first red flag should be we're going to start investigating from 2014 that's your first red flag we have a 75 year history of the phenomena at least it's it's just i mean i I don't know i i i had hope with the, you know, I, cause I, I like Louis Zondo and I respect him. I respect his efforts. I don't know him personally, but I respect his efforts and I like him a lot. I think he's up against a, a machine, man. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I think that he's, you know, Christopher Mellon and, you know, and um, Jeremy Corbell, who's really on the forefront of pushing a lot of this information to the public and um, Tom DeLong and, and George Knapp and to the Stars Academy and all those people, they're all against a machine. Because they've all come out and said, you know, they've all come out and said something about the phenomena. Tom DeLong, they're interdimensional beings that are like demons. And we, you know, we got to watch out there. You know, Louis Elizondo, some people in the government think that they're interdimensional beings, that they might be demons and, you know, the devil and all this stuff like that. Okay. The Roswell crash, the, the people like XCA intelligence officers, they could be time travelers and, you know, whatever. There's so many people. The, the, the director, who was the guy who was, um, recently he he's he's involved with nasa he's a really he really he's one of the older guys at nasa who went to a conference recently he mentioned about things being extraterrestrial in nature somebody official from nasa i can't remember his name right now so i hate, I hate that the I new head up. the new head the new head of nasa was basically just coming right out and, and saying it there yeah, um, he's we know older gentleman really, right. yeah the guy is blatantly telling us it's, it's, um, I just don't get, you know, okay. So let's take this for example. Let's say that the, that aliens, that the, the Roswell, New Mexico, at least, right? The crash disks that were the two crash disks, um, one of them in Roswell. Let's say that, that they are beings from the future and they hold our DNA. What do you, are you afraid to know that? That no. scare you? No. I mean, it really doesn't. I know it's mind blowing and uh, gosh, it's earth shattering to most people. But right. I wholeheartedly feel that it's because their history has basically been taking care of us in some way or shape, fashion, or form, uh, and is just more of the same now. Whether or not we we all come from genetics, I, I think that's already shown. I mean, we share DNA with a banana. Crazy. Right, a gnat. You know, right? So, exactly. Those building blocks are universal. They interact just as well, or just like they do here, as they do across the universe. Uh, you start talking about, you know, uh, multiple dimensions and stuff like that. Then you can start to question how things interact with each other. But I think it's just again uh, a, a perfect sign to what we're 
really seeing just more high strangeness and yeah. and uh, it's highly strange. I mean, there is more than just one part of the phenomenon. They're all technological, though. It's all technology. That's the consistency. Mm-hmm. It's all technology. Even the interdimensional beings have a technology, allegedly, according to the people that are involved with investigating the phenomena, the interdimensional aspect of it. They're using technology. You know? Well, let's do, let's do a couple of threads and throw some names out so that people listening can kind of uh, go through checklists and pull this information. Who, who are the people that you go to as far as research on YouTube and uh, some of the heads that you like to look into? Oh, man, this is, oh, man, this is good. This is spicy. I'm glad you brought that up. So I like to follow, obviously, Louis Elizondo. Um, Louis Elizondo now, he's uh, working with Space Force. Um, and he's helping the government and space uh, through Space Force to disclose some information that they find um, in, with their, with their um, observations of the phenomena. I follow, of course, George Mer- uh, Joe Mergio. I hope that's saying his name right. Please don't hurt me, Joe, if you see me. He looks like a big guy. I'm a little guy, so, you know. It's not. <laughs> um, I follow Christopher Mellon. I follow Gary Noland. Um, I apologize, Chris Mellon. If you don't know, you know he, he's worked with the intelligence community as well. He's still actively working with the intelligence community right now. And he is a big deal, big deal involved with the, to the SARS Academy. I follow Tom DeLong, but Tom doesn't really put out a lot of info. He's more into his music right now. Um, so I look at more of the, the, the uh, I look at more of the interviews he's done like with Joe Rogan and other people. I follow um, George Knapp, of course. I follow Jeremy Corbell, who's very active on Twitter. I follow, uh, let me see here. I follow a guy who is a really interesting uh, TikToker, YouTuber, content creator called Dan Warren. Um, on Twitter, he is Hey Luke over there, L-U-K for Luke. And he's a really, he's got a lot of great fun content. So if you're more of like a casual listener, you want something quick and fun and interesting, he's great for that. Five Pillars of Emphasis is what his channel is called. Five Pillars of Emphasis. Love the guy's content. It's fun stuff. Um, I mean, you, you know, there's more. I'd have to really go. I follow Preston, of course. Preston Daniel. How can you not? Um, once you meet him, you'll know. I follow Dolly. But of course, Dolly, I focus on her interviews because she's got a lot of information with Preston, um, it, it, Preston's books really focus on her too. I mean, I, I follow so many people. Where do you start? Where do you start? I follow I follow um I follow uh um Stephen Greer too. Stephen Greer, um, as controversial as that may be, I follow Stephen Greer because he did start a lot of this disclosure talk, you know, with the National Press Club in two thousand and one bringing all those expert witnesses, you know, and, and his disclosure project back in, back in 2001 in the 90s that he put together. That was a big deal. He did a lot of work for the UFO community at, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, yeah. He is still actively, right now he's working on a project to try to release this alternative energy source and, 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 and provide the information that engineers need to create, create a technology, a device that can access what he calls the zero point energy. So he's really actively working on that project a lot right now. He's focusing on that a lot. It's what his, his interview on the theory of everything was about. And I also follow the theory, theory of everything at the theory of everything on YouTube, just on YouTube. I don't follow them on Twitter that much because they don't really, um, he gets into a lot of physics and science and technology, 
Whereas I focus heavily more on, on the, uh, unless it's about the phenomena, I focus on the phenomena, UAP, ET, interdimensional, so on and so forth. So what about you? Yeah, there's a wealth of knowledge there at most people's fingertips. I, again, Preston Dennett, his YouTube collection of videos or episodes that are extremely yeah. uh, and educational uh, and worth the deep dive as well as Dr. Stephen Greer's testimonies under his uh, YouTube uh, channel Phenomenal. as well. Phenomenal. Right. They are essential. Uh, you need to, you have to watch this are, if you want to know. Absolutely. I believe my my favorite is probably going to be Philip Corso. Um, I like uh, what's the other one, Mr. Adair's stuff too as well. Uh, there are really uh, – probably three or four uh, people that I follow on social media to, to the nth degree, that's Preston and uh, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell, because they seem, Jeremy and George seem to be on the precipice always of releasing something. Right, right. Oh, oh, and I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Um, Ross Colthart, please forgive me. He's one of my VIP faves. I love Ross Colthart. I love the work he's done. I love his YouTube channel, Need to Know, and his podcast, Need to Know. I, I absolutely, because he's also on the forefront of the, of the more, um, I'm not sure how to, how to categorize it, but like he really delves into the investigative part of it, aspect of it, investigating expert witnesses. He, him and Gary Nolan have been really active. With, I'm sorry, him and um, his co-host on there. I can't even pronounce the dude's name because it's, kind of, it's kind of tricky. Um, but if you go to need to know on YouTube, you will see, um, Ross Coldheart on there. And of course, uh, <clears throat> hold on one second. I apologize. I'm still very, you know, getting over a sickness. I do follow the black vault. Again, there's a lot of controversy with his attacks. And I, again, I, I hope I, I, I don't want to draw any negative attention towards myself because I know that people are, you know, can be very tribal. But he is attacking Louis Elizondo. And I don't think that it's a positive thing for the UFO community because it's just causing division. You know, being critical is, is, is essential. But if you're actively just like just poo-pooing on someone, like in a clearly offend, like a, in a way of an, an attack, it's not conducive to what we're trying to do here. Like we want disclosure. We want to know the truth. We want to work together to come to some kind of understanding of the phenomena because the implications are everything to humanity. Like this, the tribalism kind of needs to kind of needs to broaden a little bit, bit bigger, broaden your tribalism to more the, all the UFO community. Or how about the human race? You know, be more tribal about all of us and it might change how you view this information and the people that talk about it. But anyway, I follow him and, um, um, let's see here. There was someone else that I wanted to mention because I'm really, really, I'll have to, I'll have to put it in the notes here. There's a, there's a lot, man. There are, there are a lot of people. Think about all these people now that are like, these dudes are on the forefront. Um, oh, wait, I got it. I got it. I'm going to go on Amazon because he's, his, his documentaries are freaking. He just released a documentary called moment of contact which I'm going to watch next. Um, it's about an extraterrestrial encounter in 1996 
um, at in, in a place called Virginia, Brazil. And his name, let's see here, where, where are you at? Come on. How are you going to give me that but not give me the name of the director? James Fox. I'm sorry, James Fox. James Fox. He is the one who came out with the, document, the documentary out of the blue. You have got to anybody, whether you're a layman or a deep, deep diver, if you haven't seen out of the blue, you need to see out of the blue. It used to be free for a long. He gives sometimes he gives out his documentaries for free, man. It's not anymore, but it was for a long time. It is, again, it's essential. He collects all this data, all these witnesses, expert witnesses with the military intelligence community and all that pilots and like, and they talk about what they and people, what they see. He knows how to really get to the emotional aspect of the phenomenon, how it affects human beings. You know, he he also did a documentary about that Zimbabwe account. So I follow him as well, James Fox. And Bob oh, Lazar and Beyond. Oh, gosh, you're right. Yeah. Facebook there's... page, Bob Lazar and Beyond. Follow that page. Yeah, uh, the uh, YouTube, Bob Lazar and Beyond, has the videos from um, Bob Lazar's tapes from the early 80s. Nice. Uh, and you know, they're, I think, two hours long. To actually get over the entire story that Bob talks about, the technology, as well as the uh, information that he was disclosed. It's, it's it's difficult to wrap your head around all of it. And it just takes a lot of time. But I will tell you this wholeheartedly. Again, I 100% believe George Knapp has every bit of confidence in moving forward the phenomenon or disclosure within his his livelihood here. I mean, the gentleman's getting older. He is getting and he's passing the torch on to George or uh, Jeremy, and Jeremy's running with it. Well, they're <clears> talking <throat> about the. Just so you guys know, uh, my, we, me, me and you, Mike, we got to get, we've got to do a, another um, interview between the two of us at least um, by the end of this month because there's something coming at the yeah. end of October. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the everybody wants to talk about what it could possibly be, but uh, we know that it's all tied up with NDNAs, non-disclosure agreements that people are going to be able to get out of. And yeah, those I mean, people coming out of woodwork, those whistleblowers are going to be monumental. I think that I think that it's clear that the to us who want to know the truth, people who investigate, people who are curious, people who are laymen, people who are enthusiasts, I'm an enthusiast. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a researcher. I do research and investigate, but I'm not a researcher. I'm not an investigator. I look at those people. I watch the investigators and the researchers. I look at their content. I read their stuff and I'm just new to this. So as an enthusiast, that testimony is everything to someone like, if you're like Neil deGrasse Tyson, where you're just a debunker, nothing, we could be hanging out with an alien right now. And you wouldn't believe it. They, they could telepathically tell you your whole life story in three seconds and you would still not believe it. There's nothing that anybody who's a debunker is going to believe. So it's. I would say with Neil deGrasse Tyson, you, you're looking at him almost like a, a, a copy of uh, who was the gentleman that was before him? Oh, gosh. Same same institute. Uh, um. Hmm. I had it in my well. Uh, I mean, Bill Nye, Bill Nye, Bill Nye does the same thing, yeah. which frustrates me. Right. It's, it's, yeah. 
I like Bill Nye, but I, I once I saw him debate with like that um, military officer who talked about a missile that was shot out of the, out of launch, like it, it launched this, it's going thousands of miles per hour hypersonic missile in a freaking thing. Not only does it fly, catch up to this missile, yeah. catches up to it, it catches up to it at an angle in the frame, and then flies around it. I, I don't, if you don't understand how momentum and inertia works and like, you know, like that's how, that's not possible. It, it flies around the missile, but maintaining its speed just beyond the missile, like that's, that's just phenomenal. And then shoots a missile out of the sky with beams of light around it and then takes off. Bill Nye is listening to an expert witness on Larry King and if, I don't know if you saw the debate. They took it off YouTube. James Fox was there. Larry King, it won Larry King. And, they, and he's like, oh, you know, do you, can you really trust what you have to say? I, I don't. I, I believe that these people are, their livelihoods rests upon them keeping their mouths closed and their stories about the science of what they're told to say. You know, DeGrasse Tyson, uh, we were talking about that earlier before. Uh, the gentleman, Carl Sagan, who had was in, the, in charge of the same institute that Neil is in charge of now, was the same way. He came right out and was saying, that, yes, these are real. We have to observe them. Blatantly saying, again, UFOs are real. ETs are real. And then he became who he was in NASA. Suddenly, it was all tampered down and right. hush. But then, you know, before his death, all of it came out. Just like um, so many people before. You know, we we're talking about uh, Roswell and stuff. The, the people that have always said the same story that, yes, they were told by the government to hush, but the truth is there and that's what's come out is something that's reciprocal in history and all in the research. Always coming back to the same thing that, no, I was told to say something. The truth is exactly what, you know, well, I've said. Think about um, uh, Dottie, right? Oh yeah, um, he he said that he you know his job was oh, counterintelligence. Really, yeah. It was to disseminate yeah. disinformation. He he says yeah, the government does that. He also says that. Um, let me see if I can pull that one quote. I don't know. I hope I didn't say it already because I don't want to be redundant. We talked about a lot of things here. Um, but Richard Doty said, he said, did I not document it? There are projects that I've worked on that are still classified. I'm not going to hide the fact that we, the United States government, knows about extraterrestrial races, multiple, um, about exotic technology that has been given to us by ETs. The fact that our planet has been visited by ETs for probably thousands of years. Remember, I mentioned that we had an ET in captivity from 1947 to 1952, that was codenamed EBE for extraterrestrial biological entity. It was a male. And again, he he's he does admit that he was before all, you know, before him coming over to disclosure, um, that he was tasked with disseminating disinformation. He admits that. And I, res I respect that. But if that's true, which it's consistent with what other people have said from that time, during that time about Roswell, New Mexico, it's been it's been talked about by investigators. 
that they've spoken right. to witnesses that say that they worked on the one that was alive and tried to save one that died. Like one of them survived, but it was dying and, they, and it died that day. The one that survived, though, was the one that was giving us all this information about spirituality, about, you know, the universe and so on and so forth. The story it's, goes on that he was picked up. You know, it's, again, told by Philip Corso, um, Richard Doty. There's a lot of um, testimony on Dr. Sirvan Pierce's page about the same uh, story that basically he helps us out, would not give us certain information, right? Uh, right. try to get us to spiritually evolve, and at some point was picked up, was allowed to be picked up by his own kind in exchange for uh, technologies. Um, and then there was a falling out, apparently, between the Russian government, our government, and the, the certain race of extraterrestrials. Uh, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot again, there. Yeah, yeah Dodi, Dodi was in a position to pay large sums of money to almost every um, media outlet on a regular basis. and was in charge of other people doing the same thing in other avenues, newspapers, magazines. Um, and it's just more of the same. It's almost political. Uh, it's it's a uh, yeah. money making machine. And they, yeah, they 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 mentioned in the uh, in the documentary that the government would sometimes it, we would observe a UAP or UFO at that time, and the public would think that it was it was us, and they would let them believe it, and vice versa, because it was just a way of disinformation. Like just not no one really knowing what. As long as they could con- keep the public confused about what's what, they could control the narrative. They'd never have to be honest about anything, not truly honest. So, I mean, it's, uh, man. Hundreds of hours of listening to these testimonies and watching these videos and episodes and trying to consume it and going back and touching base on more of them. It is more of the same, Travis Walton. You know, these stories stand the test of time. Right. They are echoes in other people's experiences. And ultimately, it just points to the same story that everybody seems to be telling, whether the government wants you to tell it or not. Well, we're going to we're going to need to stay tuned, man. We got We're going to need to really be vigilant with because of, because the people that want to suppress the the truth, the full truth, they're vigilant. I mean, they're look that we're going to start it's from before the end of the year. Like, yeah, well, December, we're supposed to hear something big, right? And then yeah. next year, once legislation has been passed for whistleblowers, next year, we're being told it's where the really monumental, like the big, big drops are coming. So we're, it's, it's that rapid dissemination that's happening. I mean, we'll probably, we'll probably not know the truth about Roswell for whatever reason, um, from the government, I should say. We'll never know from the government what the truth is there. They're not going to tell us truth because as is, as was stated in the documentary so they, they would have to admit their civil rights violations against the american people so right i think that we're going to be underwhelmed again by whatever happens with the ndas but i believe that because of what will happen as far as the releases of them that that will open up the floodgates and then next year when that yeah. law comes into pass then then we'll have some mind-blowing testimonies from whistleblowers who are in the know right and, and keep in mind this this phenomena has been by the government has been labeled 
as more secret, more important to national security than the atomic bomb. And keep in mind, they had how many, you know, people working on, 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 um, what was it? Let me see. Thousands, I think I thousands, thousands right? of yeah. people, but I had it saved because it was a really good, it was a really good quote that was mentioned about that was uh, referencing that situation and the idea that the government can't keep secrecy. Jesse Peake said he's a, he's a, he was um, he wasn't part of the PA National Guard. He is a MUFON field investigator in Philadelphia PA Section One and an ERT or Experiencer Research Team since 2019. We know that the government can keep secrets. This is what he says. We know that the government can keep secrets in the intelligence field. We look back at the Manhattan Project. Now, this is, this is great. And that was 130,000 people that worked on that project. $2 billion went into that project. And not one of those people leaked that project. And this phenomenon. They did. they did, though. We had that Russian couple release all of the information about the nuclear weapon to Russia. When? You can look it up at uh, Schultz or something like that. He was a I'll have Russian to, well, spy. The, the question is when, because the time frame that we're talking about is like while the while the project was being worked on, there was no leak yeah, of the information. No, this Russian couple lived there on site and was uh, working with uh, not Stavingheimer, but uh, the, the main people, and was able to leak how to produce All right. the explosions. Check this out. Let's let's take that. I don't. I don't. I can't speak to to that because I don't know it. But let's take that. Let's say that that's that's true. Two people. Two people out of one hundred and thirty thousand people. Two. All it takes. Though. And this, I know. I know. That's what. That's where I'm going. One hundred thirty-three thousand people. Two people. Two people leaked it, right? And this phenomena is classified even more important than that. That, and yeah, how many right? people have been talking about this? Thousands of people, hundreds of them within the intelligence community and the military, hundreds, some of them pilots. Come on, like, what do you need? What do you need? I think some people, you just can't press over that, that, that ledge, you know, they, they, they will deny even if you introduced ET to them, they would deny that, you know, ah, it's a costume. ET will. You know, yeah, right. Uh, oh, it's a 3D projection. My brain is being stimulated by a satellite in the, okay, the flat earth is moving at a speed that makes the density of this hologram harder. I don't, look, look, you know, I think of it like researchers' it, disease. Preston talks about it. People that look into this become overwhelmed with the fact that, like, why don't people put it together? And it's uh, I'm because, over, yeah, he's right. You know, he's right. It's because people don't understand that, you know, uh, there's a lot of information out there that get thrown off by it. Um, well, and it's easy. It's easy to be in division because of differences and uh, having weird intentions on uh, stories and stuff. But those are all outliers. You know, the overall wealth of data is there. Well, let's look at it this way. I, that one hour and 20 minute documentary, just one, it took me three hours to watch that documentary and take only two and a half pages of notes. That's all I took. 
three hours. People aren't doing that. They're watching stuff and they're just trying to remember it. And I can't do that. But, and even if I could, like, I, I just feel like if you're just watching stuff and you're like, ah, that's interesting. Uh, maybe I don't believe it. Did you, when I, six minutes in, I had half this page done, the first page done. I was like, oh my gosh, listen to that. Oh crap, look at it. What? That's, if this is true, uh, whoa, who is this guy? Like, that was me six minutes in. Because, because that's the, implica- the implications of who's saying it, what's being said, what that means. Oh my gosh, the credibility, the fact that they're not being told by the government, hey, shut up publicly, or they're not disappearing or being killed. or be- These are people that are alive today that are talking about it, that have been involved respectfully in the intelligence community and others. And even now, Louis Elizondo, I don't want to draw a comparison to anybody else. Louis Elizondo, counterintelligence officer for the Pentagon, right? Worked with the Pentagon on the on ATIP program or whatever. OSAP. I'm not sure if it was ATIP. There's so much. I believe it was ATIP that he said he worked on, right? He is yeah, still. Yeah, don't that. It was just a name. Yeah, it's just it's they, just a name, right? Right. It's just a name. It was changed he, when he first started to there, OSAP. and then yeah. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. He, you know, he's still working on at in an official capacity with the government. And he says that some people within the government believe that this phenomena is interdimensional. You lose your job for something like that, right? Do you want a crazy person, if this isn't true, right? To Some guy saying that they believe that they're interdimensional. Come on, man. All I heard from someone in the intelligence community that I can't say... You can't do that. You cannot be that. You just can't do that, man. You know, so so that's what we need to be looking at. We need to be looking at these are active members of the intelligence community and otherwise within the government, working with the government, working with NASA, working with Christopher Mellon, working with NASA and TTSA, working with the government, the military, talking about interdimensional beings. Give me a one-hour video on that and who's saying it, and it take me hours to go through it because there's so much to take in. But if you're a debunker, you'll listen to it and just, ah, I can't believe this is just crap. Where's the alien box? That's, right. What kind of conclusion is that? That's what Tom was um, uh, Tom was on. Uh, Tom DeLong was talking about. Yeah, that he's basically put himself in a position where he can package something to the public. And put it out almost like a, a product, you know, uh, audio tracks, right. uh, music, apparel, videos, um, a whole release of well, information that he's working on. And, you know, TTSA and the other people that have been involved in it, those should be uh, just uh, exclaimers, really, for the people that they are in charge of, you know, CIA and, um, uh, covert operations peoples and technology scientists. Uh, you know, the, even the guy from um, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, the scientist that was brought on there. Um, well, George Knapp well. was also involved in, in, in that investigation, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so, yeah. Who is that? All these, that people, have, all these people have, a, have a, a real good understanding of what they don't know, <laughs> you know? That's the thing. All of them are, yeah. 
I said, no matter how know. much you think you've got your head wrapped around it, it's always more than that. It's just a mischievous well, a trickster effect to it all. That there's there's an aspect of it that has, that does have the trickster effect, and there and guess what? The paranormal poltergeist is associated with this phenomenon. I mean, well, have you ever watched the movie? If I, I, not that I can't use that as a legitimate reference, but at least an idea. That's not a fun phenomenon, right? But it's not the no, only no. aspect of the phenomenon. There are there's a lot of there's Dolly's experience that was not poltergeist. She had beautiful, wonderful, great experiences. There's more than one aspect of the phenomenon. There's my experience, which I, I'm afraid to. I, at this point, I'm I'm afraid to say anything about it anymore because I don't know what it means, right? I don't I don't know what it means. I don't know if it means anything. Who cares? But I am, I'm interested in what we can know. I can't know. I don't know if I can, at least at this point, will we ever know what beings landed at that Air Force base and looked like Egyptians? Will we ever know who they were, what their names were? Do they have kids? What's their culture like? Where are they from? What's their planet like? What's their civilization like? How does it take? Will I ever know that? That's a wealth of information that we may never, we're probably never going to find out because they don't even know. They don't, the government doesn't know, you know, what they've been told, but have they visited their, their ambassadors or their, their governments or their, their, their structures of authority? Have they talked to the scientists or people that, whatever you want to call it, their, their advice? They haven't done it. If they have, are they going to tell us about that? There's so much to know. There's so much to know. You know, it, it's, disclosure is more about like knowing that it's real definitively like irrefutably but i don't think we'll ever get to the point where we'll be like well we'll know every single race of beings where they're all from how they all get how they all get here i don't think we'll ever know that i don't think that we and i and i also don't think according to what some of these people say that we are even um considered worthy of having that information as a human race Right. I mean, the, the, the science is, is sound, okay? There are multiple civilizations throughout the universe just from sheer math and numbers. The vastness of the universe is filled with life. Um, the complexities of our own planet should be uh, reflective of what we're going to find in the universe as far as civilizations. And Everything that I've ever looked into always points to it being crazier than you can imagine. Which, again, after seeing everything and consuming that all that I can on it, it still blows my mind sometimes when I hear about things that I know to be either in the know or of fact. Right. And each day is just like, wow, like I, I did not put that together. Well, I so mean, think about, what we, think about what we talked about before, how like, you know, I told people I was so excited when I heard some of the information about recently that, have, that has been talked about by people like Gary Nolan and his statement about them being, you know, somewhere with, in the hierarchy between angels, demons, and gods, right? When I shared that information with certain people, it was so overwhelming that they, they literally just like changed the subject. When I heard Louis Lozando say he would talk to a high-ranking person I think it was in, in, in the government. I'm not sure which department, but he said he talked to somebody in government about it and they just said, hey, how about that you know, game the other day? It was like, it was so overwhelming. They didn't even want to know. And honestly, man, right. 
I think there is a lot of people that just, it's better for them, for their quality of life. To, like what, what, what for? There's so much that they'll never understand about it that we will never understand. So they don't want to even get involved. They don't even want to they just, just let me out of it. Just let me live my life without having to stress about what else is out there and what the implications of humanity are, right? Who wants to have a philosophy? There's a lot of interesting ideas that could help humanity if we just thought, thought about them philosophically. But, you know, there are people who are like, we got legislations to, to you know, put into place. We got, pe- we, got, we, got, we got a canvas for this, you know, candidate. I don't want to talk about philosophy. Even though it would help us to look at how we structure society in a systematic way from a systems perspective or systems theory and a philosophical way, they don't want, it's just too much. They just don't want to. Right. That's how people are about uh, everything. No. Yeah, I mean, imagine having a society that would be okay with disclosure, would be wanting it, would be, you know, not so corrupt. And I think is, I, I just don't think that humans have the ability to not mess things up like this. I, I, I really just think that it's just part of our uh, uh, unspiritual, undeveloped minds. I really do. I think that's an aspect of it. I think that scientists have recently been talking about a lot of the idea that that our body and our mind are, that's not all there is, that it's just, we're just like, we're in a container, but we, whatever the essence of us individually are, is separate from even our mind and our body. And And it doesn't die whenever the body and mind goes, it continues on. Who knows if it's another dimension or not, but they're suggesting some of them um, that it's it's possible that our body lives lives on or our, our consciousness, whatever it is that that is us lives on. Um, scientifically speaking, I can't describe the science because I'm not I'm not a physicist or whatever the heck those people are that, that talk about it. But it's coming from places like 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 space.com released an article recently about something like that and some other astronomy, um, you know. Um, news sources and physics play, uh, physics um, media companies have talked about the idea that we are more than just this vessel, this body, this mind, and that we don't die. We live on after the, this, this body dies. And now this technology is displaying something that is consistent with the idea that consciousness is beyond the physical. You know, that there are realms. Like Bob Lazar, you know, was told that we are containers. And then we look at nature and science and the universe that we observe to not discover, but probably rediscover science, math, language. You know, all these things were there. They just were, you know, um, rediscovered by us recently. But, you know, I really think the uh, technology is is the uh, underlying key to all this uh that technology is gonna look like some god feature Magic. some you know yeah exactly think of thor uh, think of thor right he's like he's from asgard and asgardians are just really high tech like beings from another place their city is just really te- it's just technology you know it's right. technology that they don't explain necessarily but it's essentially just technology but it's god like god the funny thing to me is that the same technology that we've, we have observed 
before the even 40s, the 1940s, you know, stories written in newspapers or things uh, of that nature that are uh, documented uh, are the same things that we observe today. You know, lights in the sky as if they're battling or uh, some type of uh, display that's observed by multiple, you know, people, if not thousands of people. Um, I, I think it's more of the same. And if we can somehow thrive to the point in time where we can evolve spiritually, maybe we have a chance of being part of some type of uh, universal community. Galactic that's, that's really the question. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, everybody kind of points towards that, but I mean, who knows? Um, you know? I mean, again, our reality is much bigger than what we think it is. So, right. But Listen, I appreciate I, it, Tom. It's been a pleasure. I know you got you got stuff to do tonight and tomorrow, so I don't want to keep you up too late. It's been fun. I'm really glad we got to talk about this. Always is. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.